a very good evening from Camelot Castle. And I would say welcome back home to Camelot Castle. This is your, uh, you're always welcome here at 9.30. And uh, it is our great, great honor to welcome back to Camelot Castle, Dr. Sherry uh, Tenpenny. Mm and who has actually a very, very important message, not just for every freedom fighter uh, that is watching, but for the President of the United States. And we have been in very good communication the last few days. Um, there is probably nobody in the world that has done the in-depth, deep dive mm. exploration of the vaccination industry and the consequences of mandatory vaccination. And she has something very, very important to say. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, bring uh, Sherry up on the screen and she will be with us. There we go. Sherry, Sherry. lovely. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back to Camelot. What can I say? Thank you so much for having me back. Thank you so much. Well, it's 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 our viewers were so excited by what you had to say, and it was so uh, interesting um, the other night. But tonight, you you do have a a very very important message, not just for every freedom fighter uh, and for our friends, but for the president of the United States. And there is something that. I believe that you want him to fully understand. And so once you've delivered this message, what I would ask our friends to do is to share this on every possible portal in social media that they can. Tag the president, tag Dan Scavino, tag Charlie Kirk, tag uh, Brad Parcell, because the information that you have is not necessarily understood uh, by those that are setting policy in DC. Mm. So over to you. Oh, Eric Naputi is here. Eric Naputi is with us, so that's good. <laughs> oh, Eric, good, good. Because yeah, this, this data is something that the president needs to know, and we would appreciate that. Thank you so much. So, over to you. Thank you so much, John. And I would like to start by simply really addressing this directly to Mr. President. Dear Mr. President, there are many, many millions of us across our country and around the world that are grateful for your leadership, that pray for your safety and your stamina and your state to itness every single day. So I'm sending you this, this, this message because I believe there's some information that you may not be aware of or may not be aware of in great detail. Um, and because of that, you've signed this order about Operation Warp Speed. And I think there's some things that perhaps may be missing from that that you want to know a little bit more about. Number one, we are operating under what's called the PREP Act. And PREP, the PREP Act was passed in 2005, and the PREP Act stands for Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act. It was passed literally in the dead of night. Congress in 2005 didn't even get a chance to review it and vote on it. And what it actually does is it gives anything that has been created under the public health emergency or under a terrorism alert, like we are right now, it gives the pharmaceutical companies complete and utter liability protection for any pill, any IV, any product, any biologic, any vaccine, any technology, any piece of software, anything that they make that is called a covered countermeasure. They get complete liability protection. So as this vaccine that is 
trying to be fast-tracked to get out there within six months when generally the minimum is five years up to 15 or 20 years. We are, they will be, have complete liability protection even if it kills or maims tens of millions of people. The only way that they can have any recourse against that injury is if they can appeal to your U.S. Attorney General, Attorney General Barr, and, and, and convince him that these, this was done under an act of willful misconduct. And that's, of course, not going to happen. So the PREP Act is something that I implore you to look into because Alex Azar, our HHS secretary, activated the PREP Act on February the 3rd and wrote it into the Federal Register on March the 17th, which means we will be operating the pharmaceutical companies and all of the people who are developing these vaccines. And in fact, there are 119 vaccines in development right now will be completely and utterly protected for any sort of faulty product that they fast track to market. So I implore you to take a look at this because this will stay in effect until the public emergency is no longer declared. So the first thing is the PREP Act of 2005. The second is that we keep talking about the virus. We hear about it in your preppers. We hear it from, from Fauci and from Burks and we hear it on all the different news stations. We talk about the virus when in fact there are multiple viruses. Way back when this pandemic started, we knew there were at least eight separate substrains of this virus in various parts of the world. And now even the New York Times reported a couple of weeks ago that we know that that virus has mutated and that there are at least 30, 30, three zero subtypes of this virus. So creating a vaccine for a virus, first of all, is not going to work. By the time they get it to market, it will have mutated again and there will be many, many more subtypes. And we won't really know what we're doing. So the vaccine will be all risk and no benefit. And a little word about the vaccine that's coming to market. This is a completely different type of vaccination. They are injecting a piece of, of viral RNA into humans, and that's never done before. It's an experimental vaccine that's never been done in, given to humans before, and yet we're talking about 7.7 .7 billion doses of that vaccine, maybe double that if each person has to get two doses. It's never been done before, should not be fast-tracked, and some of the early testing of this vaccine that was done back several years ago in animals, when the animals were reintroduced to the, to the native virus, they had horrible reactions. It was called accelerated auto, autoimmunity. And they had terrible, terrible reactions. So the vaccine becomes all risk, no benefit. We don't even know if it's gonna protect because of all the different substrains and subtypes. And so this vaccine really should not be fast-tracked. We're not in that big of an urgency. The coronaviruses, there's 36 of them in the family. They've been around for 60 years, six zero. So we are not in that big of a hurry to, to subject um, all of humanity to an experimental vaccine. And the fourth and most important point has to do with this concept of mandatory vaccination. And vaccines should be, excuse me, because they can harm you, they can even kill you. People need to have fully informed consent and the right to refuse. Having something mandatorily given assumes a one-size-fits-all vaccination policy that every one of us are identical. Every one of us have the exact identical um, genetic constitutions. Our diets are the same. Everything about our environment is the same. Our nationalities are the same. How can the same vaccine be the same for someone who's an Asian versus someone who's, uh, who's from the South America or somebody who's from an American or a Native American Indian? 
it, we are not the same. And so the vaccines should not be mandatorily given. We may have had other underlying comorbidities that given mandating this vaccine to get back into society, to have a job, to get a driver's license, to get on an airplane, to be able to go to a grocery store, to go to a sporting event is un-American to mandatorily medicate someone in order to get back into our way of life. So it's a dangerous, dangerous uh, play, Mr. President. It's a, it's, it's not one virus. The vaccine is going to, is not going to address all the different substrates. We don't even know what's going to be in those vaccines of the 119 in development. They've already said eight or 10 look promising. What are the ingredients? Are any of the ingredients known carcinogens like that's in some of the current vaccines that we have? So the one size fits all mandatory, uh, med mandatory medication to get our life back really shouldn't be. And so I implore you to look at the PREP Act, look at all of these different things. Please don't mandate this. Please don't make it necessary like that. Millions of people have become homeless. And we know that homelessness, joblessness, and government stripping them of their savings and ruining their credit score is going to have a, a harsher reality on their life. And it may be even harsher reality on their health and their long-term constitutional way of being than what this virus could ever be. We can all read the data, Mr. President. We can all read it. We all see what the numbers are, all of us. You have, you have millions of supporters and millions of people who are investigative reporters out here. We can read the data. We, we stand on opening back up the country and to prevent deaths from suicides, isolation, poverty, alcoholism, drug abuse, all of those different things. So I thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, this short few minutes that I have to get these very important points in front of you. And I'm at your service. I've spent 20 years and more than 40,000 hours of time investigating problems with vaccines. If there's anything in my wheelhouse that you or anyone on your staff or anyone that works with you would like to tap into and we can discuss this in more detail, I'm fully at your service. And with that, I thank you very much for your attention and your time and God bless. Well, that is right. a fantastic message. And what I would ask everybody on here to do, everybody on here to do, is to share this broadcast right now. It is very, very important that the president at least has the opportunity to consider mm. this information, to consider this great truth that this lady has decided, this great doctor has decided to share at no little risk to herself, I might say. That takes incredible bravery and courage. And I know we've talked about this and you are most certainly in our prayers uh, the whole time, Dr. Sherry, and mm. it is, uh, you are a beautiful, beautiful spirit. Now, what I'd actually like you to do is to, you, you delivered that very, very quickly and I consider myself to be quite a, you know, on top of the subject, but could you just go through those four points and just explain what is this PrEP Act? How did it come about? And why is it such an insidious thing? So that what I want this is I want an eight-year-old to be able to understand why this is, uh, uh, you know, so insidious. Nefarious. nefarious. <laughs> it's very, very nefarious. Yes. Well, it's, it came on the heels of 9-11. So after 9-11, um, you know, we spent a year, year and a half, trying to decide whether or not we were going to revaccinate the entire American population for smallpox, or, or were we going to introduce the anthrax vaccine? Was this really a bioterrorism play? I went to several of those meetings, town hall meetings. Actually, one was even at the CDC. Um, and I'll just tell you a little bit of an aside on that, because it's kind of an interesting story. When I was at the CDC and they were talking about um, 
about revaccinating everyone with a smallpox vaccine, which you know had been eradicated and we had not been in use since 1972. I got up to the microphone and I asked the ACIP committee, which is the Advisory Committee of Immunization Practices, an appointed body of people who are kind of in the class of untouchables. You can't fire them, you can't you know vote them out or anything like that. I asked one question. I said, the, you know, the last reported case of smallpox in this country was in 1941. Healthcare and medicine has greatly advanced since that great length of time. Do we know what the actual cause of smallpox was because it was a skin disease? Why did so many people die from it? And in 2001, would we be able to treat that and it wouldn't have a very high death rate as it did back in the 17 and 1800s? And the head of the ASIP committee said, thank you very much, Dr. Tenpenny, please sit down. So I sat down and about 15 minutes later, somebody on the committee pulled the microphone over and said, you know that question about what the cause of death is of smallpox? That's pretty interesting. Does anybody here on the committee know the answer to that? And they all kind of looked around at each other and nobody really knew. And then Dr. D.A. Henderson, who was one of the granddaddy old figures of the, of, of the smallpox eradication campaign, actually walked up to the microphone and says, we have evaluated all the information. We've looked at all the data that we actually have. We've looked at the various types of things because there's four different versions of smallpox. And you know the most common now is, is variola minor, which basically causes a couple of bumps on your skin and that's it. And we've, we've looked as, as much information as we can find that goes back into the 1800s. And, and quite frankly, we don't know what the cause of death was. It, it's a mystery. Mm. And that was his exact words. I mean, he said, we looked at, was it, was it, did it, you know, cause kidney damage? Did it cause liver failure? Did it cause heart attacks? Was it secondary infections because of the skin thing? We really don't know. So here's another place where we were willing to reopen the entire society and, and revaccinate them with a very dangerous live virus vaccine not even knowing if when people if if we if there was a an outbreak of smallpox from a bioterrorism attack not even knowing what to do to treat them and what, not not even knowing what the death rate would be so i wanted to share that story because it's the same thing over and over and over again like we talked about the last time john you know same playbook different virus and so it's a, it was so this was part of what was happening in 2001 uh, after 9/11. And then in 2003, um, President Bush Jr. passed a bill called Project BioShield. And Project BioShield started with a 5.6 billion dollar infusion of capital that was to be uh, kept perpetually funded over a 10-year period of time in the event of public health emergencies or potential bioterrorism attacks. As soon as they declared that there was an emergency, the pharmaceutical companies that make vaccines and biologics and all the other things could just tap into that money and go. But have you ever noticed that every that that every time that there is some sort of an attack like this, or they need a new vaccine, or they need some new public health measure, Congress just opens up the checkbook and says, "Here, here's billions. Here's billions more." When they already have legislatively by Project BioShield, and what Project BioShield does is it pays them to develop the product. And then if nobody wants to buy the product after they're done developing it, it guarantees the government will purchase it back. So the taxpayers lose on both sides. The taxpayers get all the tax money on the front end to the drug companies to develop a product that the taxpayers have to spend their money to buy it back. And it's guaranteed purchasing. The other thing that it does is it, um, it's, it, it issues an emergency utilization authority, which means that they don't even have to test the product. They can just start using it. 
And that came out of the 2003 Project BioShield Act. Well, that wasn't good enough for the pharmaceutical industry. They were like, yeah, we can, great. we can get all this money to fast track our products, but we need liability protection for those products. Just like the 1986 Injury Compensation Act that protects us of those childhood vaccines. So if someone gets injured or killed or dies because of one of those childhood vaccines, they can appeal to the Injury Compensation Court of Claims, to the Federal Court of Claims, to get compensation for that injury from the government. Mm. The, the US government has paid out $4.2 billion in injury compensation claims, but it's only on vaccines that are put onto the childhood vaccination schedule. For example, there's a class action lawsuit brewing here in the US for the shingles vaccine, because that's for adults age 50 and older, and they can't figure out a way to put that on the childhood vaccination schedule they already have the chickenpox vaccine there. Yeah. It's the reason that the flu shot got put into the pediatric schedule was so they could get injury compensation overage and so that the people would be, they would be protected. They would be protected if there was an injury from a flu shot. That's why they added it to the pediatric schedule where children now start getting flu shots at six months of age and every flu shot has a dose of mercury in it. So after they passed the Project BioShield, they said, we want that kind of protection. We know that if we have to make something in a great big fast, fast hurry because there's a bioterrorist attack or because um, there is a, you know, a pandemic or something that's going on and we have to fast track these to market, we know that we already know the U.S. Supreme Court has said that vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that, that they are un, 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 unavoidably unsafe. And you want us to fast track this so that we can get it to market in six to 18 months when it usually at the very minimum, it's five years. So you need to protect us. So through 2003, 2004, and 2005, there were a lot of bills that were introduced by Congress to give them liability protection. And finally, there was a bill that came up, I think it was Senate Bill 1878. I think that was the number of it. Um, I can get the exact one, but it was in that ballpark that basically said anything that they make, there's, they get complete and utter liability protection for, even if it kills you. Well, that kind of leaked out into the, into the population. People were, went crazy about it. It was on the news and everybody was revolting and bloggers were writing about it. So they said, well, I guess we can't do it overtly. I guess we're gonna to have to do it behind the back door. We need to do this a different way. So what they did was they introduced something called Division E. And Division E became named the PREP Act, which stands for the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act. And I always write that down because it's kind of a tongue twister. Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, which is called the PREP Act for short. And how that actually got passed was it was December 17th of 2005 at 11.30 at night, Congressman Republican, um, Senator Frist, walked across from the Senate, went into the House after they had all of most of the people in Congress had already left and gone home and they had signed off on a defense appropriation bill for 2006, the money to, def to, to defend our, our military that would go into place January of 2006. So on December 17th, they walked in and insisted that this addendum get attacked on the back of this defense appropriation bill, this 40-page addendum. And what it actually did was the PREP Act, PrEP Act gives immunity and complete liability to all drugs, all biologics, all software, all technologies, and any vaccine 
deemed to be a covered countermeasure that was being fast-tracked in the event of a public health emergency declared by the secretary of HHS and written into the federal register. It also gives, they have no accountability for the, whatever happens to that product, even if they've made it from a faulty production line, maybe, the, maybe it was dirty, or maybe they, they ended up with stray viruses or bacteria in it, no liability with that. But even bigger is that they were, had complete immunity from all lawsuits, whether it was a class action lawsuit from a bunch of people who'd been injured or killed or from, from people who, uh, who, were, who just were made very sick and they had autoimmune diseases or neurological problems. They had complete liability from any of those lawsuits. In fact, if let's say the death rate from, let's say a vaccine is one in 10,000, and they only tested it, fast track it on 1,000 people, that signal wouldn't come up, would never know it until they started to do it on a vast scale of millions of people. And in this case, they wanted 7.7 .7 billion people with an untested, unproven vaccine. Well, they will be completely co covered by that in the United States, unless those people could get together and form a class action suit and take it to the, the, the attorney general, in this case, it would be attorney general Bill Barr, and convince him that the drug companies did this nefarious deed called willful misconduct. And even if we convinced him that the pharmaceutical companies had knowingly harmed people, he would have to implement an enforcement action against the drug companies to get any traction. There's no money set aside in a pot like there is in the 1986 Act for the for injured persons. That there is a pot sitting there, but it's empty. There's zero dollars in it. Congress would have to vote to fund an injury compensation pot, and then you would have to prove willful misconduct in order to access the money that was set aside for you to be injured or killed. So this means that the U.S. government would have to go to bat for the plaintiffs against the pharmaceutical industry, which was never going to happen because they're too tightly connected. And Alex Azar comes from deep inside the pharmaceutical industry. And, you know, maybe it's nice to have an insider on your team and you kind of know how they play the game. And I think Azar has done some good things. It could very well be. No, no, I, I, I retract that. I was going to say maybe Azar doesn't know about it, but Azar does know about it because he he activated the PREP Act on February the 5th, 2020, and, and put it into the Federal Register on March the 17th. And that is my understanding. That stays in effect until which time Alexander Azar or HHS or a subsequent HHS director or the president decides that we are no longer under a state of emergency and no longer under a state of worrisome pandemic. So where they, they no longer, they will no longer be protected in the next round of products. That is absolutely an extraordinary story and it is shocking. I now fully understand it. I don't know if anybody else here understands it, but if you do understand what you've just been told, you should be sharing this video mm. to every single mother friend, congressman, Senate member, and you should be demanding. This is the this is an absolute setup for one of the grossest injustices ever. And I just cannot thank you enough. God knows what it took you to try and understand that. And I have heard this before in America that what they do is they just in the it literally in, it, at the last minute they'll tack on something to a bill. Mm. And these tack-on bills, I don't know what they call them over there, but they just 
tack on and you look at what they've tacked on and all of a sudden uh, it's it's something that has completely undermined human rights or the mm. US constitution and certainly in this case personal sovereignty this is a gross attack on personal sovereignty um and Bill Gates says that, you know, now he's saying that he wants complete immunity for the Gates Foundation, for CEPI, for all of the drug companies that are making vaccines worldwide. In fact, there are 119 vaccines in the developmental pipeline right now. Everybody wants to be first to market, first to market with this, because it's, think about the size of the market. I mean, if you were, John, if you were manufacturing light bulbs, and suddenly you had the opportunity to sell 7.7 .7 billion light bulbs and you could make the best light bulb, the best newest, you know, fancy schmancy light bulb ever of a new technology. Wouldn't you be rushing to market to see how fast you could get those light, the newly created and fast tracked light bulbs to market? Look at the market share. Look at it. If it wasn't such a nefarious industry, it's a pretty brilliant business model, you know. And so they're they're rushing this to market. So when Bill Gates says that he wants all of this liability protection for all of these people who are fast tracking this vaccine and trying to help the world and get it to market, he's 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 stepping right off of the back of a bill that's already been legislated and passed into law in 2005 in the United States. He's just saying, well, let's just use this globally. You know, it's already been written. Let's all we have to do is like replicate it. Uh, it's extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. So they, don't, so they don't have to go back to the drawing board and try to figure out the language, or they don't have to go back to the drawing board and like write it from scratch. It's 40 pages already done. All they have to do is, you know, copy and, and reuse it, you know, change the language a little bit instead of CDC, put in World Health Organization, UNICEF, Gavi, you know, change some of the language a little bit. But the template, it's all there. And all they have to do is find it. Done. Yeah. No, I totally understand. Now, Sherry, I have been getting a question from one of our guests. And basically, I'm going to sort of play devil's advocate here because in the UK here, we are nowhere near as advanced in our understanding of what vaccinations do and don't do. Mm. And the population here tends to accept almost as a sort of hypnotic command, whatever it is that comes out of Downing Street. And if Downing Street says, well, you've got to do this because it's going to save the NHS uh, or save our health workers, then more or less our people here comply. Mm. And whereas you've got protests going on in America now for the right for people to get back to work here, um, our public here are being very compliant. And I'm not trying to suggest on here just so that anybody can see here. Uh, we're not suggesting that anybody is not compliant. Mm -hmm. with anything the government says. But I do have a question for you. Um, and I would like to, to you know, um, let's say there's somebody who's sitting at home and he's got a pretty shit life because he's under, he's under lockdown right now and he's not very happy. And he's told that the only way that he can get back to work and have rights to travel is if he takes a vaccine. See, to me, you know, Okay, fine. You could say, well, I'm going to stay in England and I won't go skiing and I won't go uh, to America because in order to get into America, you need this little tag on you that some sort of chip or whatever it is. You know, what do you say to somebody like that who, who thinks, well, you know, I, I trust the drug companies. They're, they're, you know, they're doing their best. And it's the only way that that we can, you know, why would somebody who's sitting in his house locked under lockdown? 
and is being told that the only way that you can get out of lockdown is with a mandatory vaccination. Why should he not comply with that? Why should he not go along with that? Um, what do you say to that? What do you say to that argument? Which is a very, you know, I can sort of understand. I mean, I, you know, I myself I get it. had a few I get it. when I was a kid. I don't think having a vaccine is necessarily going to kill me. You know, but this, but this is a different type of vaccine, John. That's the whole point mm -hmm. is that this vaccine, you know, there are RNA viruses that are in vaccines that we are very familiar with. Like the polio vaccine is an RNA virus. The measles vaccine is an RNA virus, but it's the entire virus. It's all of the inner workings of the virus and the protein coat. And they weaken it through a, a chemical process or through putting it through various animal tissues. And that's the whole cell, the whole virus with all of its proteins that gets injected as part of the vaccine. This is a brand new type of virus that they're just taking part of the, of the inner workings of this coronavirus. They're taking the RNA and they're put in a little, it's an inflammatory molecule, it's a foreign protein. And they're, they're wanting to do that because they think they can, instead of having to test it through all the different animals and attenuate it through all the different series of animals that they have to do, so they can take this little piece of, oh, it's, they can they can take a, this a little piece of this RNA and they can then inject that and then we have enzymes in our body called reverse transcriptase that will start replicating that little piece of RNA so our bodies create our it's like a, a vaccine manufacturing machine. The problem is, though, is the more of that foreign protein that we get of that virus inside of our body, because our own bodies are replicating it and making more and more and more of it, the more of the foreign protein that we have inside of us, the more inflammatory that that becomes. And we know that from previous, I believe they were rat studies, they may have been mice studies that they did this before, because they've been wanting to bring a coronavirus to market for many years, many, many years, because it's a burden of illness problem. So what, how, do, how do vaccine manufacturers decide, you know, of the thousands of different vac of, 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 infection, of infections out there and the thousands of different types of viruses and bacteria, how do they decide which vaccine, which, you know, which, they can't do a thousand vaccines all at the same time. How do they prioritize that and decide which one is the next one in line? Well, they do it based on what they call a burden of illness assessment. How Of this particular virus, how many people get infected or have a problem with this infection on an annual basis? Mm. And coronaviruses are very large. It's a, it, they know there's seven different coronaviruses that can infect humans. Four of them infect people all the time, every year. And in fact, when people get what looks like the flu every, every annually in the flu season, you know, it's either this illness is caused by influenza viruses or it's caused by everything else. And if it's caused by everything else, other types of viruses and bacteria, they call that an influenza-like illness. Because for all intents and purposes, it looks exactly the same as illness caused by flu. But if it's not caused by flu, it's caused by something else. Of that pot of influenza-like illness, anywhere from 20 to 40% of that illness every year, year after year globally, is caused by coronaviruses. So these viruses have been around for a long time. And so from a vaccine manufacturer perspective, they've been trying to make a vaccine for a long time. Market share, burden of illness, a lot of people get it. We can prevent a lot of infection and prevent a lot of hospitalizations, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Why have they not been able to make a coronavirus vaccine? Mm -hmm. It's because the 
the RNA because of what they need to do with it. Once they take out that little piece of RNA and they put it into an animal and they give it two shots, which is their protocol. You do one, one shot to sensitize the animal and the second one to boost up the antibody level. And then now they say, okay, it's, it, we, it works. It's effective. We get high antibody levels when we inject this vaccine. Now let's see if it keeps the animal from getting sick. Let's re-expose it to that coronavirus, blow it back in the cage, have them snarf it up their nose, have them put it in their feed, whatever they do, to re-expose that animal to see if, the, if that vaccine prevents them from getting sick. Well, what happened in those animal studies is that many of those animals died, and of the animals that didn't die, they sacrificed the animals and, and examined their organs and found that they had something called accelerated autoimmunity, and they had what's called a paradoxical immune enhancement, which means instead of creating an, when they put that original vaccine in, instead of developing an antibody that could protect them, they, they call that a binding antibody. They instead, they, they created another type of, an, or, or, instead of a protective antibody, it created something called a binding antibody, which actually allowed that virus out in circulation to bind more solidly to the cells inside on the surface of cells and invade into those organs and cause all kinds of inflammation, even death. So this is why, you know, when, so, so to answer your question, you, you need to know a little bit more about the vaccine because it's going to be literally a flip of a coin and it will be kind of an educated guess. I mean, it'd be like if you were going to get on an airplane and you knew that there was a 50-50 chance that that airplane was going to crash, but you also knew that that, that that airplane was going to take you to, I'm going to make something up, that airplane, you know, was going to take you to Washington, D.C., and it was a meeting of a lifetime and you absolutely had to be there. It was life or death for you to be at that meeting, but it was 50-50 of whether or not that airplane was going to crash. Just like maybe 50-50, you can get the vaccine and you'll be on the 50% of the side that you can get back into life and get back into your job, or 50% that maybe it's going to make you chronically ill, even maybe kill you. And that's what we're going to be, if we give people informed consent at all, that's kind of what they are going to be looking at. And if you knew that... that so if, you were giving, if you were giving somebody informed consent, that's the reality that you would deliver to them. Absolutely. If you were so you you so please now you've got somebody sitting at home in England sitting there. Well, the only way I can get out of my house and go skiing in Switzerland and go down to the south of France and go off to America when I want to, and the only reason the only way I can do that is if I agree to have this thing and then I get a piece of paper in my passport that says I've been vaccinated. What would you say to that person as a vaccine expert? What risk well, is that person taking? What risk? What what disclaimer would you give them? Well, you, I, would, I, I, would, I would say to them exactly what I just said to you. You know, right. you've got a chance that this is an experimental fast track vaccine that, that the people who made it have zero liability if it hurts you. So let me, let me just back up by saying this, John, that sometimes there are circumstances that people must be vaccinated, even in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. The military, military people are all there highly vaccinated. Sometimes, um, I have seen, you know, I've been involved in divorce cases sometimes where one parent, you know, they're getting divorced and they're using their kid's immune system as a football. And the one parent says, you know, if, you know, I don't want to vaccinate and the person I'm trying to divorce says, well, I'm going to declare that person to be a, an unfit mother if they're not going to vaccinate. And it's usually all about money, power and control. And so um, the judge sides with the parent who wants to vaccinate. 
And so there's no way around that. And that's, as a different aside, I always say that don't let it get that far. Don't let that discussion get far enough that you're actually sitting in front of a judge. There are other ways to handle it and that's not it. And so, um, but there's the military, there's sometimes forced vaccinations in terms of divorce cases. Sometimes um, there are rules here in the United States with organ transplants with kids that um, if you want to be a, uh, if you um, want to be on that transplant list, then you need to be fully vaccinated because if we vac if we give you those uh, immunosuppressive drugs after you've had the, the organ transplant, and then we try to give you a vaccine, you're not going to get an antibody, so it's not going to do you any good. I mean, I've been through that court battle with a couple of parents, and, it, and it's like a conspiracy because it's all of the organ transplant centers all over. You know, it was it was um, it was Ohio, Indiana, Illinois. Pennsylvania and West Virginia all got together and decided that that was going to be their rule. So I just say that there are some times when you have to side on that. Well, what I usually do with that is then make sure you are as healthy as you can possibly be. Get your vitamin D level tested and make sure it's somewhere between 80 and 100. Even if you have to pay for it out of pocket, do it. Make sure that you've got vitamin C on board to bowel tolerance, which means it, you take keep, keep taking oral vitamin C until it gives you diarrhea. And when you've got diarrhea, you know that you need to back off by 50% on that dose and that's your body saturated. Make sure that you're taking 10,000 IUs of vitamin A a D uh, uh, per day, you know, in the week before, the week of, and the, before, the week after. And so 10,000, yep. And make sure that you've got, uh, that you're eating healthy, you're taking out white sugar, white flour, you're not drinking Diet Coke and all the crappy foods and things like that, that before you uh, um, take on the risk of that vaccine, you personally need to be intrinsically as healthy as you possibly can be to help to mitigate the risk that may be coming along with that vaccine. Well, darling, we've had a lot of questions. Yes, um, one of the questions is why have we just seen this coronavirus now? Why has it just become a problem now? <laughs> it probably hasn't. They've just decided to make it be a problem. I mean, ever, just like what I said to, you know, to dear Mr. President earlier, you know, we can all read the data just like everybody else. We know that the, that the number of deaths, true deaths from truly the SARS-CoV-2 virus is less than on an annual basis just from plain influenza. From the very beginning, we talked about the fact, or I talked about it, and I think we talked about it on your on your uh, on your show the last time, John, mm. that this was never about a virus ever. It was all about economic warfare. It was all about taking all of the gains that President Trump had done, not only in the in in the U.S. but around the world globally on a global scale in terms of unemployment and um, economic gains. The stock market was through the roof. I mean, people were back to work. The lowest unemployment rates in the United States ever for Blacks, Hispanics, and women. And they, they were reopening up factories where men were crying. They were on videotape, big, burly, strong men crying because they were so grateful that they could go back to getting a job now where they could really, truly support their families and not be working three part-time jobs. I mean, all the different things that he's done, the U.S. Supreme Court justices, I mean, all the things. I mean, you know, I've seen it on television before where they have like a scroll that scrolls up all the different successful things that the president has done for this country. And the only way that the UN and the World Health Organization and UNICEF and Gavi and, um, you know, the United States sustainable vision that they intend to put to the whole world by 2030 can ever happen is if they take the particularly the United States and drive it down economically to the to its knees. 
So this was an economic warfare battle of something that's been brewing for a long time. Mm. They just found out that right now was the time to do it because we've got an election coming up here in the United States. And we want to get you know, the president reelected, so he's got four more years so he can finish cleaning up the swamp. Well, they don't particularly like that. And they've been, the powers that be have been working on this for a long time. And the biggest industries in the world, you know, Microsoft, Google, Apple, um, Facebook, um, you know, all of those companies are all siding together to become, you know, we've become a fascist world, just an absolute fascist world that they've taken over control. This is not about the virus. It's all about the money. So this new vaccine is even more dangerous than the previous ones. That's quite new. It's never, ever been done before, ever. We've never created a vaccine using this technology ever. And like I said, in animal studies, it, it didn't go well. And yet we want to fast track this. We want to have, a, you know, operation, you know, fast track here of what the president is doing. What is he, what is he calling it? Operation Warp Speed. And he even said on one of his presentations, pressers the other night, or was answering questions, you know, we are going to get this, va this vaccine to market faster than anything you've ever seen. We're going to have 300 million doses faster than you've ever seen. And I sat back in my chair horrified because 300 million doses means every man, woman, and child. And then I saw something that was posted that Bill Gates posted a couple of days ago that said, yeah, we know this vaccine isn't going to be safe, but when it's safe enough, when it's really safe enough, then we'll put it on the pediatric schedule and we'll give it to babies. Oh, really? So another layer of injury compensation protection for the drug companies. So just to summarize, just so I fully understand this, and I want our viewers to fully understand this, if, God forbid, God forbid, a mandatory vaccination is passed and it's given to everybody, and God forbid, let's say there's a 1% fatality or defamation rate. Let's say it does something to kids and it deforms them or it does something. Per the PrEP Act, which you explained earlier in this video, and anybody that's just joined us, you've given a beautiful explanation of that. Bill Gates and the vaccine companies are have no liability for that whatsoever. They are completely exonerated unless you can prove that they willfully tried to harm and they've got to do that through some strange process with the attorney general and get him to then enact this and that. So, so basically- No, no, no way, remember though, the PREP Act only right now applies to the United States. No, no, that's well, what I'm saying. So, so but right. there's three, I'm sure there'll be duplicates of this. I don't know what the legislation says in England right now, but I know some pretty weird stuff got passed on in, in April uh, over here um, that removes our rights in, in some very strange way, uh, other people can speak to that. My point is, is just take America, which is three, let's say 350 million people. Out of those 350 million people, let's say 1%, God forbid, 1% were to die or were to get very seriously ill or have their long-term health damaged, or let's say in the case of a child, that child was deformed. I mean, as I understand it in America, there are a lot of cases that have been paid out uh, from parents suing um, uh, medical companies and pharmaceutical companies who have who, whose children have been deformed or, or have been hurt uh, so no, far. They haven't been paid out. That's that's not exactly correct. Um, in order for it's only for the you're kind of mixing two things together there. Sorry. Um, for 
With the PREP Act, you know, that's just right now in the U.S. and it's for anything that's made as a covered countermeasure specifically for this coronavirus emergency that we're having. The injury compensa the 1996 National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act, if you have a child that's been injured or killed, you have the right to uh, file a claim in the federal court of claims to, to try to get compensation. There, the government has paid out $4.2 billion in compensation, but it's spread out, that's spread out since 1986 to the present day. And not, and, and only 25% of people who actually apply for compensation actually win in that court, even though it's supposed to be a no fault, non, non adversarial type of environment. It's very adversarial. I, I've testified in there a couple of times. I won't do it again. And it's, uh, it's just awful. And it's um and and so there have been some. They think maybe 20, 30, 50, maybe up to a hundred of, of parents who have actually either got an adjudicated claim. But generally what they do, if they really are going to pay off for an injury, they settle it out of court. They make the parent, they give parents like say two million dollars for lifetime care, which is nothing, of a severely injured child. They make them sign it under um under a sealed document so it doesn't become part of the court record, so it doesn't become precedent for future cases. Of course. So I understand that. And I realize that's what happens now in relation. So there's not a lot of them. There's not a lot. So there's not a lot of them. But even that recourse would not be available in relation to the current vaccine because the current vaccine is being prescribed under emergency conditions. And the state of emergency, of course, uh, the PREP Act now applies to that. So there would be no legal recourse to somebody. Except, except that one strange thing, convincing the attorney general that, that the vaccines companies were nefarious and they willfully, they willfully made this awful thing intentionally to uh, depopulate the planet. Right. Um, and the chances <laughs> of that happening... It's less than zero. <laughs> it's yeah. less than zero. Slim to me. That sounds pretty slim to me. Um, There's so much going on in the comments and, and Eric is helping also answer some questions and he, he wanted to ask you, can vaccines cause death and injuries, basically, based on what's going on, I think, in the comments? Um, unequivocally, yes. Unequivocally, yes. I mean, just read a package, look at all the package inserts. I mean, the package inserts list all of the types of diseases that have been caused, even if they say that temporal association doesn't prove causality, you can't prove that that vaccine caused that disease, except if it did. Mm. And so they have to list all these different side effects that they've seen, literally diseases, like seizure disorders, like peripheral neuropathies, like um, there's a new injury that's actually a tabled injury called CIRVA, which is shoulder injury related to vaccination that they've played, paid lots of compensation for. So yes, there is. they have Guillain-Barre syndrome that we've known for a long time, chronic seizure disorders, autoimmune things, lupus. There's a long list of diseases that vaccines cause even in including death. And, and that is one of the things that you, if you apply, to, if you die from a vaccine, and I think it has to be within five days, you have to, there's a, there's criteria in terms of the time frame. It might be three days, five days, something like that, but it's a really short window. But if you got a vaccine and you either had anaphylactic shock and or you died within this very short window of a few days, 
that is an absolutely compensatable act under the Injury Compensation Act. You could just apply and get your check. But guess what the amount of the check is for a death? A death, mm -hmm. $250,000. That's it. Right. Now, they made that um, compensation for a death based on 1986 dollars that you know at that point in time death they probably looked at actuarial tables from insurance companies or whatever and that a death was two hundred fifty thousand dollars well somebody did the math and they said if they rolled that forward to you know 2020 valuation of those dollars it they should pay something like 1.2 million dollars at a minimum for a death but they don't it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars that's it scandalous and someone's asking this new vaccine would it be considered a live vaccine or mm -mm. no no it's a completely new vaccine we have live vaccines we have attenuated vaccines and this is completely different this is purely injecting a piece of viral like there's dna and rna people probably know dna you know what your genetics are your dna and your rna mm -hmm. it's this particular type of virus is an rna virus that's what's inside of it and it's taken that inside of it pulling out the innards pulling out its genetics and just injecting the genetics the the uh, their genetics inside of you that's why it's never ever been done before they could never find a way to do it safely that's incredible and also people are wondering if there will be any aborted cell tissues Quite possibly, because Congress just uh, submitted a letter. Um, there were three congressmen on April the 3rd that they wrote a letter here in the United States. I don't remember the names. I think I'm there, but there were, the one was from Colorado, a, a woman con congressman from Colorado, a woman congressman from Illinois, and a Democratic male, or, and a male congressman from, from California, all three of them Democrats, submitted a letter on April the 3rd to Alex Azar, the head of HHS, Health and Human Services, to please release the restrictions on using human fetal tissue for developing and fast-tracking these new experimental vaccines. There's been a moratorium for quite a few years now on using human fetal tissue from aborted, from abortions on, on research for vaccines. Um, so they were requesting that Alex Azar, HHS, lift the moratorium on that. Now, that letter just got submitted on April the 3rd. I do not know the outcome of that letter, but the, the cells from aborted fetal tissue that have been used in vaccines now, these the two primary cell lines, actually there's three uh, primary cell lines, have, used, have been used, in use since the 1960s. This, the, this they're looking at, I mean... Think about the abortion industry in this country. It's horrible. I mean, it, you know, all these people are out of work and they're closing down all of their jobs, but the abortion clinics were considered to be necessary businesses and they were still open. And now they passed that law in New York State about third tri about late trimester abortions. They can do it. And if there's a botched abortion and the baby is born and still alive, you, you're not supposed to help resuscitate it. I mean, God is punishing this country, man. I'm telling you. You know, we, you know, we are not... We're not, we have turned, you know, God created this country. Our constitution says, in God we trust. On our money, it says, in God we trust, right? I mean, we, we were founded on principles of, of God and humanity. And, you know, God, we're our real, uh, you know, creator, our common law comes from God, our ability to do things. And we've turned our backs on it. We've turned our backs on it. And that's why I, I said, you know, the last time that I always say when I do these talks or do these presentations, Get your physical house in order, get your body in order, and get your house with God in order. Get it in order, because the next few years is going to be challenging, to say the least. Well, I, I, I 
fully, fully back you up. And I know that a lot of the people that are watching this feed, uh, we are blessed to have with us some of the most spiritual and connected to God, I would say, people. We're joined from Blenheim Palace by His Grace the Duke of Marlborough. And Good evening. Uh, Good evening, Duke. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, he uh, has been very, very interested about what you've been saying. And um, are there any other questions that you have here? Oh, there's so many. Let's We've had a lot sure. of people ask us, um, how do we get somebody? There are certain people who who want to, uh, they feel should be should appear on Camelot Castle TV. Best thing to do is to is for everybody to write to that person because if if they hear from a lot of people that they should come on, that's probably the best way actually. And um, so you know, people are wondering obviously about. Um, the president and uh, why is he, you know, why is he in agreement with that? Well, that's probably because he doesn't have all the data. He gets the data we don't know. presented in, to him. I mean, I, I can say my, my thoughts on that. And um, I think he was backed into a corner. I think what we have to realize is that when he came to power, he didn't walk into vaccines. Yeah, but I think that the history on it, on it is important. When he came into power, he didn't walk into a White House filled with friends. He walked in there with a lot of people that were disloyal. Um, and he's been subjected to the most ghastly spiritual onslaught. The industrial complex is very, very powerful. And I'm sure he sees exactly what um, these characters are up to. But um, it's a power struggle, and it's a power struggle between the forces of good and the forces of evil. And I say this right now, there are 700 people on this feed, which is something of a record for Camelot Castle TV. And that just speaks to how popular no, you are. There's almost a thousand people. Nearly a thousand. We've got nearly a thousand people on the feed. Awesome. Too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank well, you, guys. That, 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 that will result in tens of thousands of people seeing this because and what I would just ask each one of you to do is to share this feed, because if if those 900 people that are watching shoulder to shoulder shared that with another 100 people, which you can easily do with a little bit of work, you're just going to go through your Facebook friend account and share this feed out to them. OK, you can easily do that, create watch parties and so on and so forth. It's up to us to back up the president. And I am. The reason I, I asked Sherry to come on here and deliver this personal message to the president is mm. because I know some of the president's very, very good friends are going to be watching this feed tonight mm. and are probably online right now watching from Washington, D.C. Some of the very, very good friends. And, you know, truth finds a way of reaching the right people. And I am sure... I am absolutely sure mm. that if the president fully understood mm, the PrEP Act and exactly what you have told us this evening, I'm sure he would act on this in a New York second, faster than a I New agree. York second, because this is a man of tremendous goodness and, but, integrity. and integrity. But I know how long it took us to get the idea of the Global Reforestation Program, which I told everybody about. And uh, His Grace the Duke of Marlborough actually just says hi sherry how are you so <laughs> good evening duke thank you thank you so much good greeting, evening he's greeting you there from blenheim palace um i know what it took his grace and myself to get that idea it took three years of communication 
for us. And admittedly, at the time, we didn't have, we didn't know our way around DC. We didn't know who to communicate with, how to communicate. Now we know a bit more, and now we've got a few more friends. And there's 900 people on here. Between the 900 people on here, I can guarantee to you, somebody knows somebody that can pick up the phone to the president. I know that, you know that, Sherry. So all I would ask is, we. this is a time to get the communication out. That's my feeling as to why. I don't think it's because he's a bad guy. I think no, it, no. I, I, no, not I, at know. all. Not at all. That's what, you know, when you and I spoke about this and you said, what do you think, uh, you know, that, and this has been my message since this whole thing started and I've been doing all these interviews, which I will put a shameless little plug in here for um, any of you that know people that have big audiences that you want me to be on their show, please feel free that I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm just willing as long as we need to, to and as long as I'm able to, to keep putting this out on different, you know, radio shows, podcasts, you know, people that have big audiences to talk about this, this prep act and how this virus is how this vaccine is different and how it's all risk and no benefit and they're fast tracking something that's never been done before i mean feel free to be in contact you know meet with me directly or through get back to john and he can get it to me you know we can make these things happen you know well we put a lot of people together i put uh, somebody who i am going to introduce you to and i'm actually going to send this to as soon as we're finished is dr gina ludon who is a very, very uh, interesting, she's close friends with the president and she has a great following on Twitter. And then also I spoke to today, Dr. Berg, who you may be familiar with. He's, he does a lot of great work on immunity and he's gonna be coming on the Camelot Castle TV show. Uh, I've got another friend, uh, Martha Bonetta, who I'm gonna put you in touch with. She may well be watching because she's gonna come on the show herself. Mm -hmm. And she's a great power in Washington, DC. She. She's one of the few people I had a friend of mine turn up in Washington the other day. I said, you got to get this guy into the White House. And, you know, literally within 15 minutes, this guy was in the Oval Office. So, you know, she is somebody of, of tremendous influence and power. So the point is, is that we are all connected. And those of you out there that go, well, you know, I don't have the connections that you guys have at Camelot. You know what you do? You do because we're all six degrees of separation from uh, Her Majesty the Queen. Anybody can meet anybody with a little bit of work and effort, and it is just not a problem. And the other people that we need to be in contact with, or I would like to personally be in contact with, are the big churches. I mean, the big churches need to know this. I mean, they need to get this message out to their congregation. The doctors, I'm telling you, John, the doctors don't even know this. That's right. The doctors don't even understand. I mean, they think, and, and let's just say from a perspective of a physician who's pro-vaccine, and he, you know, he's a pediatrician, he vaccinates. Even if he, I believe that even those people would go, what, wait, mm. wait a minute, what, mm. wait, what is this all about? I mean, when you think about Paul Offit and Peter Hotez, who are, and Ian, whatever his last name, these are three of the, the poster children for the pro-vaccine industry. They have been out there forever proselytizing. Vaccines are the greatest thing that's ever happened. We, the humanity would have died a long time ago if we wouldn't have had vaccines. Even those people are going, wait, stop, wait a minute. You know, this, this vaccine and the way they're going to do it and this antibody this, that, that that's, they're going to be making. And we know about those past studies. And we're, I mean, they're, they're walking a fine line there because, you know, they still have to sound pro-vaccine. But even they are sounding the alarm and going, this is not a good idea, guys, to fast track this. 
And so even the doctors don't know about this and the churches need to know about it. The churches need to know about that letter that just went up to HHS saying, give us all your aborted fetal tissue that we can do experiments on. So the larger of those audiences, and as you know, John, Irina, we've talked about, you know, I'm a very Christian person. Strongly, I'm on God's team. And I really feel like what we need to do, what I personally need to do is to stand up for God's people, not just children. This, they're going to come after adults first with this. Adults are going to be first. And so the more people that we need to know to just ask the question, the better. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. The churches, um, are you in touch with Jerry Falwell of Liberty University? Because uh, no. He, he has been a great player. Um, uh, Eric Fransvay, Erica Fransvay, who's Charlie Kirk's girlfriend. Um, well, we'll she works with, well, we'll per perhaps you could just yeah. now do, because we can clip it out. Erica Fransvay is a great faith leader. She yeah. has her own faith podcast. She is, we visited and we walked the path of Christ with Erica and with Charlie Kirk uh, in Jerusalem together. And we stood where Christ stood and we prayed. And we have a fantastic friendship. Uh, it's really Irina's probably number one girlfriend, really. And 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 they, they nice. love her. She's very, 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 very She's close. Very She's very, very special. Could you give a message to Erica and to people of faith? Because Erica is is really a great leader and she has an amazing podcast actually so i would if you could just deliver and we'll clip this out and send it to her and she's very aware. she's very aware of this issues and she's completely on the right side of it and she's a very christian person too and as you say spiritual leader erica francois and she's very close with jerry falwell of liberty university she went to liberty and she runs something called the falkirk institute or she's on the board of that. So um, perhaps you could give her a little message. Sure. Hello, Erica. My name is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. I'm coming to you from Cleveland, Ohio in the United States. I'm a very strong Christian and I really believe that what we are doing now in terms of getting the message out about these mandatory vaccination couldn't be more important to our faith-based community. We are not just fighting the powers that be and all the people that wanna force us to be vaccinated, the Bill Gateses of the world, the Tony Fauci's of the world. We are fighting powers and principalities here. We are fighting far above what we are doing down here on boots on the ground. It's a, it's a forces of good versus evil and the powers and principalities. And I'm actually even in the process of writing a book right now based on Ephesians 6 about putting on the full armor of God to fight this for humanity. I've long said that one of my roles is to save human DNA from this whole process of vaccination and insertional mutagenesis that is changing human DNA and turning and doing this whole chimera sort of thing that's happening when we're injecting cow blood and chicken dung and, 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 and dog kidney cells and all of these known carcinogens into children, which is now going to be happening in adults. And this new fast track vaccine that they're doing is really going to be all risk and no benefit. And you, some little thing that you need to know that on April the 3rd, there was a letter that was sent to Alex Azar the head of HHS, signed by three Democratic congressmen, one from Colorado, one from California, one from Illinois, asking him to please, please release the moratorium on using aborted fetal tissue for, for developing these new fast-track vaccines. So we are fighting powers and principalities. We are doing this as God's service and God's work. We can't save them all, but Quite frankly, my job is to sow seeds and to save as many as I can. So I hope that that gives you a little insight into me, a little insight into what I'm trying to do, and I hope that I can enlist your help. 
Well, that's a beautiful that's message, and I'm going to ask Erica, Erica to be in contact with you, and I think she'd be. I think you'd be a fantastic guest on her podcast. Um, it is so important because you know. Here's the thing. Um, we all of us have responsibility, and I would ask right now in a new moment, every Christian and every person of God that is watching this feed, please share this feed. You never know who it is going to reach, and it's so important. The reason we're doing this is because this may be our last chance to restore sanity to this world. And, you know, it may well be, and we're going to look back and we could, out of the 900-odd people that are on the broadcast, mm. we could be looking back in three years' time and the whole world could have been vaccinated and you could, we could all be chipped and we could have had a death toll of what? 1%, 2%, who knows? Who knows what happens? And why could somebody explain to me, could you explain to me, what's their fixation with? Why has it got to do with monkeys? Why are we putting, why are they using, is it true they're using like tissues from monkeys to... They're going to inject us with monkey tissue or something, or what? What is that about? Um, there's there's all kinds of cells that are being in use. Like I said, there's 119 vaccines currently in the pipeline that are experimental. Um, Bill Gates himself said that there were somewhere between eight and ten right now that look really promising. We don't really know the extent of what they are all using or what's going to be in there, but we do know that even in order to get enough of that RNA, the they have to propagate the virus enough to be able to extract the RNA to be able to do it, and viruses have to propagate in living tissue. So that's why they want aborted fetal tissue, because if they can propagate it in aborted fetal tissue and they know that there's a limited amount of cells that can be that can that can be remain in the vaccine. But if it works in human in the in fetal tissue in a, in a test tube or in a Petri dish, then it's probably more likely to benefit those of us that are recipients of the vaccine down the road. So, yes, there's there are monkey tissue cells. There's um, there's dog kidney cells, which they they've been using. They're called MD, MDCK cells. They are actually um, tumorigenic, which means that there are several different cell lines. Some of those cell lines actually right out of the box cause cancer. They use something called a, an army worm. They're using army worms to make one of the flu shots now. So they can propagate viruses in this worm. It's in a bug actually. And then they are using, um, um, they're, they're moving over to these cell lines because for like flu shots, because it takes a really long time to, develop, to, to use eggs to propagate all of these different vaccines. So I think that they, they've found, um, there's, there's hamster ovary cell lines that they use. There's fetal bovine serum, which we've talked about a little bit that they use to propagate, uh, they use it as a fuel to propagate viruses. It's a filthy industry. John and Irene, it's just filthy. I mean, when you when you when you drill down, in fact, on my website, which is vaxter.com, v-a-x-x-t-e-r.com, if you uh, if you put in the search "disgusting stuff," I've read written four articles on the disgusting stuff in vaccines, and it's all highly documented and all referenced, showing all of these these abominations. I mean, to me, injecting foreign matter that crosses genomes with different types of mammals into little babies is just an abomination to God. I mean, what are we doing and calling it health? Really? We really have to really get this to stop. There needs to be a complete moratorium on all of it. And what are immortalized cells, which... 
Um, that's just what they call, that's the definition of a cell that propagates over and over and over and over again. It, 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 it divides on its own. They grow it in a particular culture medium that makes it self-replicate. And an immortalized cell, by definition, is a cancer cell. Yeah. And that's what the cells, these aborted fetal tissue cells are. And the Vero cells that come from monkeys, those are immortalized cells too. So they do, they're proven to cause cancer. They're, they are, well, they're carcinogenic cells. And in some of the experimental things, when they take those cells and inject them into animals Oof. over time, a tumor shows up there. Yeah. And remember that if you look, read every single package insert on, um, I think there's 73 or 74 vaccines that have been approved for use in the U.S., so it's like different manufacturing of like the same vaccine. Like I think there's five forms of DPT vaccines. And so um, when you when you read the package inserts, it says clearly in the package inserts that these have never been tested for carcinogenicity, which is causing cancer, teratogenicity, which is birth defects, mutagenicity to be able to change the, the DNA of the cells to create something else, or for if it causes sterility. They don't know. It's never been tested on any of them. Mm. Yes. But yet we are going to be mandatorily injecting these things into children to avoid a fever, cough, and a rash. Wow. Well, I have to say um, tonight has been another extraordinary experience. And I, to be honest, I'm feeling quite ill at the ideas um but i'm sure I'll, i'm so sorry <laughs> it's not it's not a happy topic you know i told not you like, way at the way at the very beginning of this i said to god why didn't you give me tony robbins go team rah rah you yeah. know why didn't you give me like the charge him up sort of person why did you give me this and it's because i was willing to stick it out and do the work I mean, God, you know, God's the alpha and the mega, right? He can see the beginning and the end. I mean, we see like, you know, one minute in front of us, maybe, you know, we see like right what's happening right here. He knew this was coming. This whole thing was no surprise to God. Mm. And so he's been getting me, you know, training me and I've been absorbing all this stuff and, and put, continuing to put one foot in front of the other and be Joanna Appleseed and throw those seeds out there for 20 years. He knew that he, I was I was born for a time such as this. This is where I needed to be 20 years ago. And God saw it. And here I am. Well, somebody's made a, a comment here. And, and, and I just want to make sure that they, A, feel completely welcome on this broadcast. Somebody said, you don't have to be a Christian to agree with this. You just that's have true. to know it and pass it on. Mm, and that's, that's true. true. You know, you can be a total atheist and, and know the facts about this. Mm. And you can pass it on. Uh, we uh, respect all religions here at Camelot Castle. We say the table was round for a reason. And the one thing I will tell you in my experience of having explored many different religions, and uh, you know, I consider myself to be uh, an evangelical Christian, um, I would say that a truth in a religion can never conflict with a truth. And you will find truths in uh, all sorts of areas and mm. in all sorts of religions and if you find a truth in christianity that truth is never going to conflict with the truth uh in uh any other religion so um you you the truth can't harm you now what can harm you is lies mm. that absolutely can mm. harm you and um to that end you have to keep your own integrity in and you have to keep questioning and you have to and 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 all the great religions will 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 surrender to constant 
you know, they will survive constant questioning, you know. So it's totally okay to question as well. And um, everybody's welcome here. But no, you're right. Whoever said that, it was somebody, was it Sherry? Ali. And, and Ali said that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that is that. So everybody's welcome here at Camelot um, from that point of view. And um, there but we go. Did you have any more questions for somebody, Dr. Sherry? Somebody keeps asking, what about what David Icke said about vaccines, but what specifically? Well, said? David Icke, I, I like David Icke, and I think it's terrible that he was deplatformed. Um, he has his own style of doing things and he has his own truths. You have to look at him. I certainly recommend that people uh, listen to what he's got to say because a few of the points he's making at the moment are very important. And um, I say that especially now because he's just been deplatformed by Twitter and by Facebook. So what did he say about vaccines? Do I know? don't know exactly oh. what he said about uh, uh, vaccines. I don't know either. So, uh, so just watch what he's got to say and you decide for yourself about that. Yeah. Do you know anything about David Icke, uh, Sherry? Oh, yeah, I know, I know David really well. I mean, you know, I've been on his show a few times. I know his son quite well. And, um, you, you know, I've followed his, his work for a long time. I, I You know, David, um, you know, Richie Allen used to be his, his producer. And I've been on Richie's. Richie's on his own now. And I've been on Richie's show a few times recently. And so, um, and, I, and I know pretty much what David's or what David Icke's position is about what the globalists are trying to do with this whole thing with uh, all this vaccination and artificial intelligence and creating a, creating an AI interface with the nanotechnology that's being injected that will be injected in the vaccines and quite possibly this whole chipping technology so you don't you don't lose your little certificate that says that you're vaccinated or that you're clean right I mean they already have uh, virtual tracking mechanisms set up all over the world we have really big ones here in the US they're really big databases and in fact part of our, our boot camp and, and part of our, our uh, boot camp training course in the seventh module, we actually teach people how to go into those databases and get their names removed. <laughs> so we actually teach them how to do that. And so um, so I'm pretty sure he was probably talking very boldly about vaccination and AI and artificial intelligence and the, the various types of things that he's been talking about for years. Well, you can, if you want to see, he just gave an interview on London That's Real, and saying, you yeah. can find that in my Facebook timeline. Uh, just below this particular uh, communication. So anybody who wants to check that out can. One thing I didn't understand myself, and maybe you understand this because you know him, Perry, um, he's saying that there is no virus. Well, is he speaking metaphorically there? Is he saying that there actually is no... That this no such thing? No such thing. Uh, that That didn't entirely make sense, but maybe... I should give him the benefit of explaining it rather than trying to interpret him. Um, the person that you should speak with and perhaps would be a really great guest for your show, and I can make that introduction, is Dr. Andrew Kaufman. And Andrew Kaufman is the person who, he's an MD, who has brought out this whole concept that viruses are really what's called exosomes. Yeah. And, and, and so he really digs down into the science of that. In fact, I was supposed to have a, I'm supposed to have a conversation with him later tonight. I did a, uh, I did a, a, a video conference thing with him a couple days ago. And it was fascinating work and how, and this whole concept of exosomes is relatively new science. I mean, they really started really looking at this thing that we been calling a virus forever is it really an exosome and have we mislabeled it and if we looked at really what viruses are if everything on the planet is put here for a good reason if it is it really <clears throat> because we are we are sick 
physically sick with all the chemicals and toxicities and toxins and things in our bodies. And when we get this fever, mm. is our body really pushing out these little things out of our cells as a cleansing mechanism that we've looked at under, mic under electron microscopes and said, oh, there's a virus. The virus must be causing the fever. Or did the fever cause the release of this, this thing with that has a little bit of genetic material out into the bloodstream as an exosome? And that whole body of work has only been around for 30 years. I mean, that's relatively new science in, 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 in comparison to virus stuff that we've had been talking about, about for about 150 years. Mm -hmm. So like anything to try to like change mm -hmm. a paradigm that, you know, we've got virologists with big credentials and work for big institutions and things like that, you know, to take that on and change it is it's a, it's an uphill battle. It's sort of like, have you, have you ever read the book uh, by Gavin, I think his last name is Gavin. Oh, he wrote the book. It's called 1492. Have you ever read that book? No, I haven't. Okay, so he's this guy. It's just just to tell you the difference. Like he is, he was a an admiral in the Navy, in the U.S. Navy, and he was an admiral on a submarine. And he loved maps. He just loved maps. It was his favorite thing, his hobbies. And every chance he got, he would go to the map museum at the Vatican, and he started seeing these maps of global maps from around the world, uh, from uh, from like uh, 1401. I think I do have 1464. He said, "Wait a minute." Wasn't that um, 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue? Wasn't that when he discovered America? Why are we seeing maps from like 1460s and, and even before that were pretty well maps? And so he dug down into all of that history. So then he put up all the stuff that he found. And then of course, all the historians, their, their egos are all wrapped around that. And people who says that they've studied all this stuff for years. And they all what they tried to do is spend all of their time discrediting all of his research. Well, this whole new research, I think of a new body of, of thing about are exosomes really viruses and do viruses really cause problems or not? It's kind of a new body of science and trying to get people to get their head around it is a challenge. It's a challenge. Well, you know, it, it's, I, I think I actually do have that book in my library upstairs. It's really interesting. It's, it's really a good book. It showed that the Chinese had, had sort of been able, it's got something to do with the Chinese. And I seem to remember reading it many years ago. Uh, I think uh, Ted's father actually recommended it. They had these things called treasure junkets and they used to even, they, they knew about scurvy. They used to have lemons and lime trees on their boats and they had this thing that dropped down from the back and they had trained seals that would go out and scoop it, you know, have the fish come in so that they would have fish to eat. And it's, it's, a, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating history and it's true. It's really history. It's not, it's not a novel. It's true. And there's, 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 there's also a very interesting precedent. You may have heard of the uh, spiritual leader and philosopher Rudolf Steiner who was a Christian, but uh, what I would describe as a mystic Christian. He was from Switzerland, I think, initially, or Germany. And funnily enough, he came to visit on his mystic journey, Camelot Castle, and he came to this hotel shortly after it was built. And Rudolf Steiner, in his writings, says that viruses are an excretion from the cell, and they are uh, a sign that the organism is under pressure. Mm. And one of the things I would like to see a, a double-blind placebo done on would be the effect of negative news on 100 people. Let's say you took mm. 1,000 people and didn't allow them access to CNN, Piers Morgan, and uh, the like for a month. And then you took 1,000 people and you bombarded them all day long with negative news and you actually measured their health change.
I think that could be one of the most interesting double-blind placebos. If there are any friendly billionaires watching, I would love to uh, be part of such a test, except I'm not going to be in the group that watches. <laughs> You're going to be in the control group, right? But I think that'd be very, very interesting. Yeah. If you took all of their vitals, you took 100 people or 1,000 people, you took all of their vitals and you didn't expose them to this constant bump bombardment because I am sure that it affects people on a cellular level. I am, I, that's my observation of life. That's my own feeling. Sometimes, you know, even now I've had to, <clears throat> sometimes I just have to step away from all of this mm. for a few hours, take a walk and just clear my head of these things. Someone you know, you know, you know, they have done, um, it, they have done some studies like that, not with people, but with other things about the power of water. And, you know, we are, as humans, are like 70% water. And they've done some studies with, with plants on that, too, where they put, like, a, 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 a three sets of plants. One set was, like, all day, you know, you would walk over and tell the plant that you loved it, and you, you just showered it with love, and you were so grateful it was growing and green and going to bear fruit, and, and you just talked to it for, like, five minutes, all that good stuff. Then there was a second set of plants that you went over, and you said they were ugly, and you hated them, and you hoped they died, and they were never going to bear fruit. Then there was a third set of plants that was the control group that you did nothing with. And they did this for like a month. And the differences in the plants were just astonishing. And they've also, that the plants that you, you praised and you said good things with grew up and got really big. And the ones that you said all those ugly words to all shriveled up and were ugly and they never bore fruit. And then the control group would just did what it was going to do. And they've done that also with putting little grains, grains of rice in, into stare, into water. And they did the same thing. One one little jar of rice, you told you said you loved it, you loved it, you loved it, you loved it, and you sent it positive energy. One you said you hated it, it was ugly. And then the third one was just the control group. And the one that um, you told was love, it sprouted and you ended up getting sprouts out of it. The one you hated and said it was ugly, it turned all brown. And then the control group just did what the control group was gonna do. So they've done some level of testing like that, not on humans, but I'd love to see what actually happened to humans by doing that. Well, you know, it's very, very interesting. And I will tell you this story, but uh, we have a theory about the telepathy of trees. And mm. I'm on record as saying that if you are, uh, if you decide to get into telepathic communication with trees that, uh, and you start validating trees, that it improves your luck. And one of the reasons that we decided to really start to promote the Camelot Castle initially uh, woodland and, and uh, reforestation program that we started just after President Trump won the election, because I'd actually had enough of American politics by the time that campaign finished. I thought, well, you know, what am I going to use my energy for now? I said, well, let's get some trees going. So Ted produced some tree paintings and I went up into the forests here locally and I started communicating with the trees and of course I've told one or two people about it and I'm sure I'll be accused of being completely potty now but I am a great believer that if you uh, validate in any way or shape the life force that lives within us all or that is actually us uh, that the spiritual qualities of life I believe that that feeds life no end and of course that's one of the great purposes of of Camelot Castle TV and of course what you're doing uh, uh, Sherry to help the life force of this planet cannot be underestimated 
and I think your idea of working through the churches and in fact if there is anybody on here that has a church group that would like uh, Sherry to connect up to that church group I know several of the people I've been seeing who's on the feed and there are several people here who actually have their own church group so do connect up uh What's with the best what, what is how do you like to be contacted but through email through your website um uh, either like? either either probably through email is probably the best i mean yeah. they can contact me directly at dr sherry d-r-s-h-e-r-r-i dr sherry at at uh, courses for mastery.com dr sherry at courses the number four mastery.com that comes direct that comes directly to me so, um, you know, I, I would appreciate sharing it with the people on your group and don't, don't post it on a website anywhere. <laughs> just, just use it for your personal use. D-R-S-H-E-R-R-I, thought I better clarify that. It's D-R-S-H-E-R-R-I at courses, the number four, mastery.com. That'll come directly to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, there's a question here. I have a question, please. I was vaccinated four times with all the vaccines there are in my lifetime due to immigration and education rules. What are the side effects I will be facing in my future? It could be a, a range from nothing to anything. It could be a range from, you know, maybe you dodged a bullet and maybe your immune system, you know, maybe you were healthy and had adequate DC on board. I mean, maybe you were healthy and you dodged a bullet. It could be anywhere from that all the way up to autoimmune diseases to cancer. I mean, there's no way of predicting that. There's just not. Mm, okay. And I, you know, and, and you, you know, if you do good things with your body, you know, yeah. take good care of yourself, you know, eat right get sleep, drink plenty of water, all the things that we've been talking about, you know, the body has the ability to heal itself or we, you know, we'd never be able to, to, to function if we just cut our finger, you know, you know, cutting, you know, fixing dinner. So the body has the ability to heal itself. So, you know, detoxification things, the aluminum tends to come out with silica. There's actually been some, some research on that. I don't know if you can have access to silica tablets that you can get at the health food store, but Fiji water that you can buy at the grocery store has high amounts of silica in it. And we've talked uh, lots, a lot of people have said that that's a way to kind of detox the aluminum. Um, mercury can come out with garlic and, and cilantro. Um, and, you know, just keeping all of your bodily functions in good shape. Um, it could be, and like I said, it could be from nothing to bad stuff. And there's no way to predict. If you do your best to heal yourself up, and then it's probably going to be closer to the nothing. That's, That's excellent. That's good. That's now, listen, the other night I was accused of not being balanced, which, of course, uh, you know, the whole point about this show is that um, I'm trying to give, you know, the vaccine lobby always gets a tremendous amount of press. And so I'm trying to give the other side of the argument some airing. And but there is a question here from somebody who's who is obviously from the pro vaccine. This lady seems to be very concerned because she's posting many, many. She's messages, posting many times. It's, it's a question sincere. from Lauren Rochford. She's sincere. She is so. But this is from the other side of the camp. She's saying vaccines prevent up to three million deaths worldwide every year. Says who? Well, okay. I'm just going to read her question. <laughs> I know. Vaccines prevent up to 3 million deaths worldwide every year. Since vaccines were introduced in the UK, 
Diseases like smallpox, polio, and tetanus that used to kill or disable millions of people are either gone or seen very rarely. Other diseases like measles and diphtheria have been reduced by up to 99% since their vaccines were introduced. However, if people stop having vaccines, it's possible for infectious diseases to quickly spread again. So it's more of a statement than a question, but I'm going to be accused of not being balanced if I don't read some of the anti-things. So but that's how do you, also, but, but that's that is, by the way, by the way, that is actually the majority opinion yeah. in the UK. That's globally, it's says. not just in the UK, it's everywhere. So how, how would you respond to that? A couple of ways. One is, um, um, obviously, you've never done any research outside what the, the propaganda machine has told you, and you've decided to accept it wholly and unequivocally without even possibly uh, examining the other side. That, that is really like, you know, and I'm not trying to be mean or disrespectful to the person who said that, but that, but that, but that is totally drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm. I mean, and if you really say there's, that, that it stopped like 3 million deaths worldwide, really? Have you ever really seriously looked at the data and shown and this is and seen that what they do with coming up with those numbers, it's a model. It's a mathematical model. It's not like they go out and count heads. It's just like all this mathematical modeling that they said in the United States that, you know, the coronavirus, two million people are going to die if we do everything right. Two, we might keep it at 2 million people based off a mathematical model. So all of these vaccines globally that supposedly stop all of these deaths and diseases, it's all done off a mathematical model. They don't have any idea. Mm. The other thing about smallpox, polio, tetanus, it means you really haven't done any research on that at all, at all, to really understand what really stopped smallpox uh, really was quarantine. What really stopped polio was stop using DDT. And tetanus was never really a high level of, con of contagion. It's not a contagious disease anyways. And you can have four or more tetanus shots and still contract tetanus. So what does the shot actually do for you? And so, you know, all of those little sound bites, mm. I, I tell you that she's, um, she's, she's a really good, she, she really, she bought, she took it in. She knew her facts from their side. Mm. And, um, and so she's really, you know, that's what people know. And people never pull back the, the pull back the curtain and say what's actually behind there. I've spent forty thousand hours of my time researching what's behind the curtain, and I can tell you that with those little soundbite things like that are just knee-jerk reactions to people that are either new to the topic or they really don't want to have their paradigm challenged. Because when you start going down this, this road of looking at problems associated with vaccines, it causes great cognitive dissonance huge amounts of cognitive dissonance because it's a religion. It's a faith-based religion at the, at, the at the school of medical mysticism. We believe these medical things do something for us. And if we gave them up, what would happen? And so it causes great cognitive dissonance and humans are hardwired to not live in cognitive dissonance. They've either got to be in or out of a certain area. They'll do anything they can to like clarify that, that dissonance. And so when you first start pulling back the, the curtain and going, wow, I was lied to about that. That's not true. Wow. Look at those stats. That's really not the way it is. It causes a lot of, a lot of dissonance because what, it, what the next question is beyond that, John and Arena, is that if they lied to us about that, what else did they lie to us about? Mm. Mm -hmm. And then you have to, you start pulling. It's like having a ball of yarn and you start pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. Universe, the whole universe collapses. I mean, actually last that's, night, that's a good point. I did a broadcast with uh, Dr. Eric Naputi, which he very kindly put out on his network. 
and actually I, he, he interviewed me on his network on the subject of psychopolitics and brainwashing and the use of hypnosis and psycho techniques in order to mm. control populations and it was very very well received there is a document uh which you will find on that clip and in my feed uh which is the russian synthesis of, of brainwashing it's, it's actually a document which explains how psychopolitics is conducted and i have a very very important definition of brainwashing which i will share with you and with our audience and i'll see if if we can all agree on this i say that brainwashing uh, is the um, I'm taking you over to my, I have to plug in my computer. Oh, <laughs> so, so, and I couldn't sit over here initially because the sun was shining in and it would have ruined the That's video. So, so go ahead, John. Thank you. I'm sorry to just oh. to interrupt. No, no, not at all. My definition of brainwashing is the minute that a human being accepts data without personally having checked it and uh, tested it for themselves. In other words, Fred says something, and because Fred says it, it's true. And a person does not personally inspect it for themselves. At that point, they either have become brainwashed or they are well on the way to becoming brainwashed. And that's a great definition. Well, because when you look in the when you look in the dictionary, it's actually very badly defined. And um the fact of the matter is, is we are, if I listen to an advertisement on television that says, uh, John, this, uh, uh, I'm always being sold fishing equipment the whole time because of course I'm a complete fishing addict. Um, but somebody says this fly is going to catch the biggest fish ever, or this fishing rod is the best fishing rod you're ever going to buy. If, if I believe that and, you know, buy that on the basis of what I've been told, then actually I've been brainwashed at that point. So there's there's very vicious forms of brainwashing, which is that you have the sort of MK Ultra, CIA, um, pain drug hypnosis on one end of the scale where they strap you down, inject you with some truth serum and and then hypnotize you with all sorts of commands to go out and kill, kill enemies or something. But then you have the much more subtle type of brainwashing. And what I feel we're witnessing in England, I would ask everybody to, to uh, watch the, the video that I did with Eric Naputi and to share that as well. What I feel is that we're witnessing is a mass hypnosis. And I'm a great believer that the way to undo the hypnosis is to point out how it was done and who did it and when it was done and what methods were used. And so I found this book in my library, which I've had for many, many years, and I dusted it off. And I realized that it actually lays out the exact methods for mass hypnosis and 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 brainwashing and uh, psychopolitics. So um, uh, I'm sorry, I am going to agree with even though I've 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 aired your question. I think it was Lauren, Lauren Rochford. Mm. Um, I happen to think that you may have allowed yourself to be brainwashed that's my personal opinion with the greatest of respect and i'm sure there are subjects by the way that i am brainwashed on i am sure that there are subjects because there is so many sidewinders mm. um and false pieces of information that we pick up um one of the one of the great ones that i heard the other day is that um 
carrots help you see in the dark, which of course everybody uh, is is told this and so on and so forth. And, and funnily enough, somebody came here the other day and they told me how that particular piece of brainwashing began. Mm. And what it was, was in the Second World War, um, the British had developed radar and it allowed the British fighters to shoot down a much higher percentage of British planes. And the British did not want the Germans to realize that they had this radar and this particular night sighting system that allowed them to shoot down the night fighters. And so British intelligence came up with these newspaper stories that the British airmen were being told to eat carrots uh, because carrots contain vitamin A and apparently vitamin A is good for the eyes. And actually there is just completely, there is, it may do some good for the eyes, but it certainly was launched as a PR. It was a counter PR story so that the Germans wouldn't realize that we had this secret weapon basically of radar. Wow. <laughs> and so generations of children have been told by their mothers and their grandmothers to eat your carrots because it'll help you see in the dark. Sarah and that's said, a classic my example. My mom said that. Yeah, Sarah said, I mean, who on here actually, out of interest, who on here has been hold, told that if you eat carrots, it'll help you see in the dark. I'd be very, very interested because that is a, you've been told that as well. That's yeah. where it came from. Oh, yeah. That is, you've been brainwashed courtesy of British intelligence <laughs> in the <laughs> World War. There probably hundreds of these little things. Uh, nothing wrong with liking carrots. Somebody says, I like my carrots. My mother said that. My but, mother it really, but it really does help with night vision. It really does. <laughs> it really oh. does help with night. It's night vision. It helps with night vision. Yeah, yeah. That's what they say. But, you know, it, it turns out that the amount of vitamin A, the amount of carrots you would have to eat mm. in order for your night vision to be increased. Eating True enough. Full of them. You'd, eating, you'd have to bushel baskets full, right? <laughs> Everybody told us that. My dad told us that. Everybody. So yeah, many, yeah, yeah. So many people. Yeah, no, it's yes, absolutely entirely. true. It's absolutely true. The amount of the amount of carrots you'd have to you literally have to eat a truckload of carrots to affect your. And your, Eric posted here a link to your broadcast. Ah, oh, Eric has posted a link to the broadcast. Thank you so much, Eric. And I think what we've got is already, and I also want to thank, you know, each and every person, even if you've got two followers on Facebook and one follower on Twitter, and you have to like your own tweets, you know what, <laughs> share this, okay? Because it is so important. And that is how we are going to get this information to the president, and that is how so our humble... How many people were told to eat carrots? They've all been told to eat carrots. The entire... <laughs> listen, if you can, British intelligence... British like intelligence, everybody, right? Everybody, everybody. <laughs> if British intelligence can brainwash the entire planet into their grannies telling them, if you don't eat your carrots, you're not going to see in the dark. The other thing I was told, my aunt told me, if you don't eat the crusts on your bread, your hair won't curl. And I was told that... You know, I was. Who, who's been told that? You've got to eat your bread crusts or you won't have curly hair. My granny told me that. And you know what? I believed it up until I said it to my wife the other day. I said, well, I've got to eat my, my crusts or my bread because otherwise my, I'll lose my curls. <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, well, granny told me that. So, you know, it is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And God knows 
what Piers Morgan has been laying into us in the mornings. So um, I'd be very interesting to know what, what, what other ideas are there out there. Yeah, listen, nothing, somebody's saying, I like carrots. Nothing wrong with carrots. Eat your carrots. But in order to be able to see in the dark, as the British airmen were able to. You need a radar. You need radar. <laughs> that's what you need, radar. And that's what we're shooting down the German planes, not the carrots. Oh, that's good. So anyway. And maybe we people also will, you know, want to know what to do with the situation we discussed earlier. So we should give people some kind what of can we do? solution. What can we do? What's the solution? What Is can, there a solution? What can we do, Sherry? Get Sherry. What I would be doing, and those of you that want to get active, you know, Sherry is there. She is willing to communicate to churches, to groups. If you know somebody with a podcast, write to people. If you've got a group of 10 or 15 people on here, create a little group, get Sherry on there. She's being very giving with her time. We all now know what Sherry's got to say. You can share that with your immediate group, but there are other groups out there. What if we were able to get Sherry onto 20 different groups in the next week, what would that? Well, do? well, no, wait, <laughs> wait, wait <John>. <laughs> you know, let's. It's, uh, it's up to Sherry uh, what she does. It's up to Sherry what she does. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I really, they need to be large groups. You know, God bless the little groups and things like that. But you know, I, I need to, I need to magnify the message. So unless you've got. 20 people who are powerful people who are going to take it out to very big places. I really need to magnify the message. So, yeah, um, and so there, but there, but there very well might be, there might be a group, somebody who's on here, who's a pastor who could get together 10 pastors that we could, that I could talk to. And that would like magnify the message out to like their whole groups. That's, you know, um, that's what I want to do. I needs, uh, it needs well, to, we need to instance, magnify it. Know, somebody on here may know Alfredi Johnson, for instance who knows all the black pastors in Los Angeles. Or, or somebody that knows Kanye West, or Kanye somebody that West. can get, or, or the, the black mega groups are really, you know, or, or, or Candace Owen, or, you well, know, some of, the, some of those people idea. are really big. That, now yes. you mention it, yes. could you do a personalized message for Candace Owens? Absolutely. And, and for her dear husband, George, and it was Candace's birthday uh, yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. I think it was, was today. It? Okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. Okay. So I do a little personalized message to Candace. Yes. And her husband and her husband George. And her husband George. Well, hello, Candace and husband George, who I haven't met yet, but I know all about you, Candace. I've been following you since you were just a, a YouTuber. I've always loved you, thought you were an amazing woman. You're so smart and so articulate. And I listen to everything that you do just because I love to hear you talk. One of the things that I've been trying to get to you is, um, is a copy of a movie named Vaxxed. My name is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. I'm coming to you from Cleveland, Ohio. I've done 40,000 hours worth of research over the last 20 years into problems associated with vaccines. There was a documentary that came out a few years ago called Vaxxed, and it was a CDC whistleblower who came forward and said that they have been withholding data for years showing that the mumps fraction of the MMR vaccine when given to black boys that those black boys had a 4.5 times increased incidence of autism and they've known it, they withheld the data, 
they buried it. He's been a whistleblower that's being, that he's waiting for an opportunity to come forth to testify in front of Congress, but he needs to be invited. I would love to get that into your hands so that you can see what the vaccine industry is doing to your community and probably your future children since I hear it was just your birthday and I know you just got married not too long ago. So I would love to be in contact with you, share you, share with you all the information that I know that I've learned over the last 20 years of research and a belated happy birthday. And I hope that the, that everything that you're doing is just magnificent because you are an incredible young woman. To me, you're like a, a real inspiration for the next generation. And I just love what you're doing. So take care and God bless. Well, that is, that is, that is beautiful. And we'll make sure Candace sees that. And the other thing we're going to do is we'll make a little short clip of that. And then we're going to post that on Twitter with Candace's handle. And we want everybody to retweet that, you see, and then that's going to come to her attention because we'll she'll it, see it. We'll send it, we'll to, send it to her directly. Yes. We'll send it to her directly. But the more people exactly. here, you know, oh, John says, well, okay, John says, but then if other people, because these people, what they're looking for are the trending issues. That's what they're looking for. There's is there any specific form of iodine you would say is superior? I like plant-based iodine. You right. know, I've been through I've been through all of them. I've been through potassium iodide. I've been through potassium iodine. We've done Lugol solution topically, orally. Um, there's a, a multiplicity of other types of. There's a product called Iodorol, which is a bunch of piece of crap product. I actually had that tested and know a lot about that company. And um, and we really like. I really like plant based iodine. Thing we use a product called Sea of Greens, which is a North Atlantic kelp product. It's seven different um, kelps out of the North Atlantic area. Um, I like you know Dulce. I like to use Dulce a lot because it's a, a plant based product. And iodine is is one of those molecules. That you have to respect it. You can't just take it like a multivitamin or like a B complex or something like that. You have to respect iodine. It's very powerful and it can make it, it, um, miraculous cures or it can cause a big mess. <laughs> so, so you have to, you have to really understand the chemistry and the biochemistry and you, and you have to use that whole product respectfully. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. Brilliant. And I, I can remember uh, one little factoid about iodine from my chemistry days at Winchester College. I believe I'm correct in saying it's one of the few elements that sublimates. It goes from a solid to a gas, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it does. This incredible purple gas. I can remember doing experiments at school with my Bunsen burner and seeing the iodine come off as a sort of a purple... Purple well, by, by chemistry, it's a halogen, right? So it falls into the periodic table of medicine as a halogen. So you've got bromine, which is teeny tiny. Then fluorine, it's a little better. Then chlorine's a little bit better. And then you've got iodine that's like a great big basketball. And yeah. so when you're iodine deficient, all the rest of those halogens fall into the, the, the receptor places where iodine is supposed to be and causes a lot of havoc. And so, yeah, I know a lot about this topic, John, a lot. And it's a... Uh, um, uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to talk to those two gentlemen. It, it, well, would, be, it would be a I great synergy. I, I will. I will. We'll cut this little clip and I'll WhatsApp it them to them tonight. And Andy, he comes down to stay at Camelot. He's a great guy. And uh, last time he came down here, we gave him a great big Excalibur sword. So. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. He's great fun. Anyway, um, I think that could be a good connection. Golly, um, the thing is with 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 trying to do God's work is that you start off at A and sometimes you end up at B and then you go through C and D and, and you have really taken us over the jumps this evening. What a productive uh, couple of hours. I, I hope everybody on here has also 
found it to be productive. But can I just read one message from, from Kelly Johnson from Australia? Kelly says, my son had the HPV vaccine forced to at secondary school. He was a successful young boy with a great future ahead of him, but almost overnight after getting sick from this vaccine, he changed greatly. Um, his mental aptitude and more spiraled, he went into a deep, so his mental aptitude spiraled. He went into a deep depression from out of nowhere. And I believe this vaccine had a role in this. I'm certain it did something to his brain now. Uh, don't get me wrong, he's not what you would say disabled or anything like that, but the changes that happened in him so rapidly right after this vaccine makes me question. So I was just wondering, you, you touched very briefly on how you could recover from vaccine injury. Is there anything you would advise to this lady, Kelly, or anyone else who is in a similar position? How What could they do to restore their bodies? Well, I can't give medical advice that specifically over, I just can't do it. It's not, you know, I can't, that's not good to do. I can give generalized recommendations, but, you know, without knowing him, seeing him, seeing what the extent of his injuries are, seeing that, that whole thing, it's, it's not good medicine to just give medical sure. advice. Sure. But I would tell her if she's not sure that it was the vaccine, there's a couple things, places she could look to get more information. One is an organization called SaneVax.org. It's S-A-N-E-V-A-X.org, SaneVax.org. Um, Norma, and uh, Frida are two of my dearest friends, and they they know, anything about Gardasil, they know it. And they've got their uh, Frida is actually lives in um, in Scotland, and Norma lives in Montana, and they are the Gardasil girls. They know everything about anything about Gardasil. And then you can also go to our website, which is vaccine u vaccine the letter u dot com, and up at the top there where you can see catalog, we offer a two I offer a two part course that really drills down into the problems associated with, with Gardasil. So you could do that entire course and go through and learn a lot of things. There are some generalized recommendations in there to help. And it might, might be something that you could learn about to share with other parents to hopefully their children won't go through the same travesty that yours has. Good. I'm just going to post this both websites. That's very helpful. Thank you. Sure. That's good. It's very important. Are there any more questions there? No, I'm, I, I, I think we've probably more or less covered what we can. What I would ask you to do, all of you, is share this feed, uh, copy the link for it, share it in Twitter, share it on, across all of your social media platforms. Uh, we've got to keep fighting. And the one thing I would ask you to do, I don't know if you have that quote, uh, from St. Paul, because you read it so beautifully uh, last night. Sometimes you keep it by your desk there. I don't know if you you, you have the quote on the armor of God. This one, yes, that's yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you would yeah. you do that as a sort of a final prayer for our group and for this particular session? Because I think all of us need protection at this time. In particular, you do, uh, Dr. Sherry, and. One thing I would ask everybody to do as a thank you for Dr. Sherry is to cover her in prayer and to uh, pray for her journey. Um, it would be much appreciated by myself and by my wife. Mm. 
and, and by me <laughs> and, and and i'm sure by dr sherry because it is very very important um but i wonder if you could just read that because i think this particular scripture at this particular time is more important than anything um mm. so there we go yeah so this is Ephesians 6, 10 through 19. And this is actually the, the inspiration for the book I'm writing right now. And it's about putting on the armor of God. I mean, the book, the working title of the book is Fighting Powers and Principalities, The Vaccine Battle. So, and it's the inspiration from these, this verse, these uh, few verses, it's Ephesians 6, 10 through 19. So it starts with, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your guard. And after you have done everything, to stand firm with, when you've done everything, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Amen, Amen to Amen. you. And that is... That is beautiful. And there are certainly some extraordinary, some extraordinary lovely things. messages for you here. Yes, lovely you messages. Thank you. you can see them later. Um, thank you so much. It is. It's a beautiful thing. And thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us in this, uh, what is becoming a veritable army of truth seekers. Now, I do have a little message, which is uh, disrelated, or perhaps not disrelated, but disrelated to this initial topic i want everybody on here to do a deep dive into this subject of adrenochrome mm. it is a story that is coming to light uh, we interviewed sasha stone about it the other day and i would very much like everybody on here to do your due diligence and make uh, your own research into this is it a true thing isn't it a true thing look into it and uh, if it is a true thing, we need to do everything we possibly can to bring this to the world's attention. We've got a number of people doing this right now, and it is very, very important that this subject is flushed out and fully exposed. Justin Bridgman says, absolutely, we're a spiritual army, and I want that spiritual army and that digital army to take a damn good look into adrenochrome mm. because if what is occurring is what i think is occurring and what is suggested is occurring uh, none of us should be sleeping at all and um 
that's what I would say. And um, uh, the sooner it is confronted, the sooner it's confronted, the better. And it is something that I am sure uh, that we should all be doing. So uh, you can all use Mr. Google uh, or you can all use Chrome. You know, a couple couple of things that I will tell people that what really, um, like I have a really good friend who's a, who's a medical doctor who's in Michigan, who's taken a really deep dive into the physiology and the biochemistry of this. And you can actually go to archive.org, which is a site that I use a lot. It's archive.org and can find old, old textbooks and old um, journal things that are, were published in like the 1800s and the early 1900s that Google has put up there in full textbooks. And a lot of the really interesting, for those of you that are looking at this from a physiology and biochemistry pathway mechanism, um, there are some really good papers that were published about adenochrome and what was actually happening with it, with, with the oxidizing of the of the uh, of the uh, adrenal of the adrenaline that were published back in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. And some of those research pathways are very well described and laid out that you do not find in any of the current literature. You just don't. And so, if for so that's another site, and I use that site a lot. Um, and I've downloaded a lot of stuff off that site, thinking that it might just disappear, you know, someday. So they have they have all the like a lot of the vaccine stuff that was published in the late 1800s, you know, about the statistics out of the UK and all of the the all the doctors during that time that were fighting Jenner because they thought Jenner was just an idiot. And and you can download them; they're big documents and tons of data and information and stuff. So and you can put like vaccines or vaccination up in the search and you can find it like the same um you might be able to even put adenochrome up in the search and find those papers i was talking about so those are places uh, that you don't really find much in the more current literature about it but the stuff from the 50s 60s and 70s there's there's a lot out there yeah i saw some videos on that today. yeah i think it's it's a subject that uh it may be one of the most important subjects to research at the moment in the world and a lot of people are realizing that it should be researched and uh, a lot of people may tell you you're crazy for researching it, but I say you're crazy not to. But I don't think there's any uh, doubt now that this is even a real, some people say it doesn't exist, but what you said, um, Sherry, that I, I actually watched the video today where they put up all those papers from 1950s. Yeah. It's, it's, it's research, it's, it's very deep, and it's, it, there's no doubt that, that it, it exists. Some people don't believe it even exists. Well, isn't it interesting that the number one or one of the top adrenochrome manufacturing facilities in the world is in Wuhan? Isn't yeah. that just like, isn't that just sort of like an interesting coincidence? Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> very, very interesting. Very, yeah. come on late, uh, but Isabel Goldsmith, who is an old friend of ours, uh, Sir James Goldsmith's uh, daughter, actually, uh, has joined us. She's asked a question. What do but you she's use? Replying to someone else. Oh, she's replying to somebody else. Sorry, yeah. I can't see that. Yeah, it's, it's better. Oh, she's it's, saying don't use Google. Like, really yeah, monitor yeah. that site. What do you use? Not, use DuckDuckGo. I use DuckDuckGo. Dot duck, 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 duck. Yeah, that's the that's the search engine I use all the time. That's the one that Matt approves of us using. So that's the one we use, and we use Telegram. We use Telegram instead of WhatsApp. And because Telegram is the only secure platform that, that my business partner, Techie par excellence, approves for any of us to use. So my whole, all my teams, everybody I work with is on Telegram. Well, that's good. That's good. My, my, my point is, is that there's safety in numbers. 
Yeah, exactly. If only a few people are exposing vaccines for what they are, if only a few people are exposing what's going on with adrenochrome and what is really going on with the whole uh, relationship of adrenochrome to society, if only a few people know about that, then the few people that are looking into it are at a very, very high risk. But if there are millions of yeah. people who know about this, and what I would like you to do is, you know, share the hell out of this because, you know, they can come for one of us, but they're not going to come for all of us. Mm. And, you know, that is the greatest safety. And I think as somebody who has studied truth seekers my whole life, as somebody who has uh, put their head above the parapet on certain issues, you know, we came across a cure for drug addiction. And it's now possible to cure any drug addict within six weeks without using drugs. And when we first announced that, I was pilloried from one end of this country to the other. Because, mm. of course, there's a whole group of people that want to sell methadone, so they don't want a cure for drugs, right? Mm. Uh, a cure for depression. You can cure anybody with depression in two or three days. You, you know, the guys that sell antidepressants, they don't like that. So, um, Isabel, yeah, it is interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us, Feed. Just so you know, Isabel Goldsmith's father, Sir James Goldsmith, is one of the most beautiful beings I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Wow. He was the founder-in-chief of the Brexit movement, and he was, is a wonderful spirit. I'm going to say is because, of course, the spirit is eternal. And his daughter is here with us on the feed. She's a beautiful being. She has a beautiful hotel down in uh, Mexico called Las Alamitas, which wins prizes. She's a good hotelier. We're amateur hoteliers. <laughs> we don't have a clue. Have Isabel, you have, to, you have to come here and, and tell us. us. We have a friend in common, Alexander de Cadenet, yeah. uh, who's a great artist and has been to stay. But he keeps telling me every time he comes to stay, he says, John, you've got to go down and see how to run a hotel because Isabel, <laughs> Isabel knows how to run hotels. You're useless. <laughs> I mean, we win the Faulty Towers Prize every year. Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to. We never intended to be hoteliers. We just stumbled in here. <laughs> so anyway, God moves in funny ways. He turned me into a hotelier. And I was never meant to be a hotelier. But anyway, you know what? She's here. And her father, Sir James Goldsmith, and he's the father of Ben Goldsmith and Zach Goldsmith, who are also friends. And um, he was somebody that understood the sovereign impulse of man. Mm. And he understood the importance of freedom and what he did for this country. This country has a huge, huge debt to him. And he was a great, great man. And, so uh, maybe he can do something in terms of our medical freedoms and allow us to, to, to have our bodily autonomy and not be injected with foreign matter that could kill us. Yeah. Well, uh, Isabella just says, greetings from Las Alamitas. It's probably a, not a bad place to wait out the quarantine, but nobody wants to wait out this quarantine. Isabella, you're very, very welcome here, and we look forward to welcoming you to uh, no, Walsh, Cornwall. Oh, no, 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 okay. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, no, your, your father was a great man. And um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for so much for having me. And all those little snips that we can send out at different places. Oh, I'm so we'll grateful have, for that. Uh, I'll have we'll our, work on that and we'll, we'll get, get those them done. all out. And uh, so can do, do all that. And how fantastic. Well, it's been a lovely evening to you. 
Absolutely. You, have your, you spiritual army, you've all got your, your instructors, instructions, research adrenochrome. Watch V4 Vendetta. Watch it. Watch it uh, three times, according to Dr. Sherry. Three times. <laughs> yes, three v4 times. Or <laughs> Vendetta, you will need it. Uh, read the brainwashing manual. Find out how you've been brainwashed. Uh, carrots uh, was, if you believe that carrots are going to improve your night sight, uh, <laughs> you have been subject to British propaganda uh, in the Second World War. We learned that tonight. And um, it's lovely to have you all here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks again. I, I, this is when we did this the last time. We got like really, really a lot of a lot of good feedback, and and I know that a couple of the other um, interviews that I've done, you know, more and more people are hearing it, which is which is generating more interviews, which is you know hearing it and things like that. So it's just a it's just a, a seed that's growing. And thank you so much for allowing me to to share this with your audience and to get this out to important people in your government. It's really really important. Maybe important people in our government too. You know, that'll be good. Um, thank you. It's Isabella Goldsmith says. Thank you, would love to visit, and I appreciate the kind words about my father. What a reassurance to see you leading this battle. Well, Isabella, from you and from your bloodline, that is uh, an extraordinary blessing. Thank you. And I know that, uh, you know, this is the time when the truth seekers in the world, we have to pool our resources. If we shoulder to shoulder, mm. just, I, I reckon, honestly, and I really genuinely believe this, is if all of the good guys in this world actually communicated and acted shoulder to shoulder, we would have this mm. whole thing mm. turned around within a week. Literally within a week. It would not take that long, but we've got to have the courage to confront the evil. If this adrenochrome thing is true, we've got to confront it. We've got to weed out who it is, who is doing this. You know, 800,000 children a year are going missing in America. Where the hell are they going? Okay, because they're not turning up. So what the hell is going on? Okay, and unless we as fathers, as mothers, unless we take responsibility for our own, for our own part in it, and that may well be that we've been turning a blind eye, you know, that may well be, we may have our own part in it, but we, this is not the time because if we stay silent now, okay, we'll be locked down for good. Mm. And make no mistake, that is the goal of the enemy. Total suppression of the human spirit and of God himself. And that yeah. is the plan. That's their plan. We got another plan and our plan is to communicate. Someone from Slovenia, Boris from Slovenia says, John, that's- Hi, Boris. Shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder. We gotta be shoulder to shoulder. And Boris, our friend from Slovenia. Slovenia from the country where POTUS is from. Well, your beautiful first Lotus, lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah of Lotus, yeah, that's right. Good, so keep reading. You know that, that, that video that I sent you today, John, the one that's, let me see, I think it's in, let me see. Let me get What's you the, the here. Or the, or the other one. The, hold on a second. Let me get you the, the, the right URL. <clears throat> um, it is uh, intel. It's it's um, intelligence dot we forum w e f o r u m 
intelligence.weforum.org. And that is the, uh, that's the place that shows the 200 and so layers of all the different things that are really, really connected. And what it says in that, about 20 minutes into this, uh, another video that I was listening to today, it was the last one that I sent you, that about how the whole, this whole COVID, this whole virus thing, it's like, a, it's like, look over there, look over there, look over there. Well, all the actions happening over here of implementing all these things of global governance to go on a global scale, to go with the sustain, the, the sustainability, the 17 sustainability goals set out for 2030 by the UN. And in this other video, the one that I sent you that I said, this is a much better 30 minute video, one that you could share, was the last one that I sent you. 20 minutes into that video, she says this, all babies born in, by 2030 or after that time will be designed, enhanced or augmented. There will be no God driven births allowed. So all of the things that what you, what you just said about standing up and standing against adenochrome, it's also standing against vaccines. It's standing against what they're trying to do to lock us down and take away our freedoms. It wasn't a Ben Franklin, I think, who said, was it Ben Franklin? Maybe it was somebody else who said, um, um, when, if you're willing to give up your freedom for safety, you deserve neither. Mm. And so... You know, we are we were so willing. I mean, this is one of the things I know David Icke said, and I and a couple of other people I was listening to today. We were so willing to as soon as they they said, "Oh, everybody's got a shelter in place," we just did it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, nobody said, "Well, wait, why?" <laughs> you know why? You know, and maybe two weeks of that would have been okay. I get it. We want they wanted to make sure this wasn't some fabric like really nasty bioterrorism attack that really was going to like wipe out the entire population. But eight weeks later, and now they're extending these things to stay in place for no reason at all. It you know the nefarious thing behind the scenes. If people could look at that site that I just gave you, they'll get it. They'll see what what those layers and layers and layers are. I put the link to it. Well, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's it's a, a, a terrible, terrible situation. Uh, and, and standing all together and standing arm to arm and standing up and, and looking and saying, um, I have bodily autonomy. My, my rights, particularly as a British citizen and as an American, come from common law, comes from God, right? We need to stand on that. You know, we need to go back to the Magna Carta. We need to look at where our heritage is as our two countries came from. Maybe the five eyes too, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, America, and Great Britain, the five eyes, you know, where did our rights come from and, and reclaim them, reclaim them. Well, reclaim. you're absolutely right. Of course, we're also joined here uh, by Letitia Cash, who is the daughter of Bill Cash, who was part of the Goldsmith and Cash Freedom Fighters. So Sir James Goldsmith and Bill Cash were part of, there were three of them, initially and those were the principal two and uh who created um the whole brexit and the sovereignty movement so it's amazing who's tuned in tonight and god brings people together for a reason thank you so much we'd better let you get back to your day uh and get back to you you go to, you guys to go to bed <laughs> wow there we go wow past midnight time flies time flies when you're um, researching the, the truth we've given everybody plenty of work to do and we will see you again at the usual time 
Um, we'll say good night to uh, our dear friend, Sherry. Thank you so much. Thank you Sherry. so much. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Good night, everyone. Love everybody. God bless. Take care. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank, Thank you. you. God bless. Wow. Well, that was really um, quite a, uh, what can I say? That was quite a show tonight. And um, some lots of other good news. I'm afraid you're going to have to go through my Facebook timeline, I'm afraid. Um, we are out of time. Um, please do join us tomorrow night at the usual time of... Well. 9.30. Or do we want to do it a bit earlier? Mm, I don't know. I think 9.30 is a good time. And we will see you then. Please do share this. And when we post up those links, share those as well. Please share, Dr. Sherry. And I'm going to leave you with our... Um, Thank mm -hmm. you.